0: Berserker Cast, episode number 18, Falling Skies, season 5, episode 3, Hatchlings.
1: As is Drew Roy, also known as Hal Mason on Falling Skies. You're listening to the Berserker Cast on Golden Spiral Media.
0: Golden Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast. A podcast dedicated to falling skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304 837 2278 or email feedback at GoldenSpiralMedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Oh, greetings, all of you who have just slithered out of a uh, turtle. What was it? A turtle camp? Turtle
2: turtle factory? Shop. Turtle
0: factory? Turtle.
2: I I don't know. I can't remember.
0: Yeah, some sort of turtle. Some turtle sort of place something that likes turtles. Turtle yeah. something. Whether you have slithered out of a a sewer drain with uh, ninja skills. Uh, Whether you're that kind of turtle or a six legged turtle or a flying turtle, whatever it is, whatever variety you are, welcome to Berserker Cast, a a podcast dedicated to following skies on TNT. I'm Daryl.
2: And I'm I'm James. Strange looks from. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to stop with the facial expressions in order to say my name. But yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever had a desire to see a flying turtle or a six legged turtle. For that matter,
0: uh-huh.
2: I'm, I'm good with not ever seeing those kinds of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you like turtles?
2: I do like turtles. They're cute. I like turtles. Except for the snapping yeah. turtle at our cabin. My dad set a trap for him this last week at the cabin,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we, mm-hmm. we, we call him Big Head because I've never seen him, so I, I really don't actually believe that he exists, but... My family insists that he's deadly and will not go into the water.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen those alligator snapping turtles? Uh -uh. Those things look like they could bite your arm right off. I'm serious. Now that's what I call at least one at the zoom. Yeah, they're just like mouths are like this big. Like you can't see. I know if you're listening, you can't see what I'm just doing (laughs) with my hands. But this is why you should come to the live show. The live show just got the hand gesture. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) The turtle hand gesture. Not that one. Anyway, um, yeah. So I like turtles. Is the kind of the theme of I. I don't think we do like turtles. I don't think we like what came out of the, the turtle farm. Is what we're getting here in the in the chat. With turtle farm. That sounds right.
2: Turtle farm.
0: All kinds of stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Overlord. We'll talk about.
3: We have a lot Sarah to talk and Pope. about. A lot to talk about. We have a lot to, a,
0: a lot to cover. It. Yeah. Yeah, we are here talking about Season 5, Episode 3, Entitled Hatchlings. Like I said, this was directed by Rob Lieberman.
2: Robbie, Do you know him for Mm -hmm. anything?
0: Um, No, but Joe. I know Joe Lieberman. Not personally, but I know who Joe Lieberman is. I don't know if there are any relation or not.
2: Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. And it was written by Jonathan Glasner, whose name I didn't recognize, so I went and looked him up, and this was his first uh, Falling Skies episode to write. It's interesting five seasons in, and they're still oh. finding newbies to write episodes, so that's kind of cool
0: that is interesting I actually yeah, yeah, well, Emily, uh what was your rating for this week?
2: I gave it nine, you're too late, mason <laughs> uh,
0: is that the words of Pope
2: that is the words of Pope
0: yeah, I gave it eight mason militias. <laughs>
2: Mason militia, oh my gosh, yeah, I mean it was a it was a total step up from last week, which is half of the reason I gave it a nine, but also in my rewatch, I felt very rewarded for actually mm-hmm. rewatching and found like just a really cool rhythm that the characters got into in this episode, and it made me really, really enjoy rewatching it,
0: hmm. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. You know, last week, I think it was last week, you only got to watch the episode once, right. and I almost always watch it twice. Mm-hmm. Well, this week, I barely got to watch it once. I'm just really busy right now, and uh I, I just watched it for the first time about two hours ago, and I finished it about, just a little over an hour ago. And so, I only got to watch it the one time, and as I was contemplating what my rating would be, I think I started out as a seven. And I thought, now, seven is what I gave it last week, I think. And I I thought, this was definitely better than last week. And so I had to kind of go through the episode bit by bit, character by character, and really think about what parts I liked and and didn't like. And I realized I was focusing on those things that I didn't like and Mm -hmm. was kind of forgetting about some of the things that I did like. And that brought it up. I started to give it an 8.5 with the uh, half score being for the half-eaten body of Sarah. (laughs) Spoiler alert! Uh, but I didn't. I decided to stick with the, uh, with the whole number rating system. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. There, there are many reasons that this episode gets a nine from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, in, in all honesty, I actually found Sarah much more tolerable this week than in recent weeks. And that was even before I called that she was going to die. But, um, don't know what it was you know the the pet names that they have for each other i really did not need but yeah like that that whole scene when she's like oh no you go back you go back and get the flamethrower you go back and get help i thought she did a really good job there and i wasn't annoyed with her at all in that moment (laughs) so but yeah all right
1: but i also know that i am like
2: probably in the minority here or at least I probably express stronger feelings about my dislike than most people will. Well,
0: and I think that's so interesting that neither one of us seem to be particularly enamored with the Pope Sarah relationship. And yet there has to be a a segment, I would think a pretty decent sized segment of the falling skies community that, that does appreciate that relationship and is, and is rooting for it. And so I feel like, this podcast is probably not representative of the community at large when we <laughs> when we talk about the relationship. We're probably giving it uh, more dislike than it probably deserves.
2: I totally agree. I was thinking about that this morning too, as I was rewatching. Just thinking, you know, there, I clearly we're not the majority here, but it's it's very. And I I think I was reading Gannon's feedback mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, thinking, you know, it's it's a good point. It, I, we don't represent. The broad majority here on the Pope and Sarah front. And I am super, super glad that there are people who can appreciate that dynamic and even Mm -hmm. appreciate that character because, you know, that's what the show should be. (laughs) And hopefully, you know, a couple years down the road when I'm rewatching the series, I go. Oh, yeah. Okay. I I can dig that now because, you know, it's yeah, like it's like yeah. while you're doing a podcast, you think about things so much differently, I think, than a, just when you're casually viewing something.
0: Absolutely. You it's do. Been, no question. It, it's, yes. it's, it's,
2: it's, it's definitely a curse in a way just because you can't enjoy simple things like this. I have no idea it how I would take react. It away
0: just some of the raw enjoyment of a, of, a, of a show when you're sitting here knowing that you're watching it, trying to Offer up uh, an intelligent dialogue, a fair critique, and and all these sorts yep. of things. It definitely changes your perspective. So again, I have not read Gannon's feedback. I pasted it into our notes, but I try not to to read the feedback because I don't want it to skew any conversation that I have. But does he mention uh, that we seem to be on the? The lopsided end of the Pope and Sarah. <laughs> well, he just he just mentioned
2: that he, uh, you know he doesn't necessarily dislike Sarah as much as I do. <laughs> I think that uh, was okay. what it was, <laughs> and so <laughs> right. I mean it wasn't. He said he didn't not like them or something, but we'll we'll get okay. to that later. But. Yeah. Okay. Right. What do you say we start at the uh, beginning of the episode, I'm discussing this? Well, of-
0: the very beginning is, or the, the beginning is a very, see, I can't even get it right. It's a very good place to start. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> Ba-dum-bum.
1: Yes.
2: Okay, so we left off very, or we, we started up right where we left off pretty much, in, except for the fact that they're actually bringing a weapon out to that skitter pit in order to wipe them out. So... They've acknowledged yeah. the threat, and they have found a quick solution by uh kind of doing some modifications to uh, Dingan's hovercraft thingy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I, that, that was a pretty cool uh, little decal that they had on the front, you know, the stars and stripes on the thing. Yes. Did you get a good look at that?
0: Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was a decal. I thought it was actually a part of a flag that they had put on there, but whatever it was, I sure. definitely caught it. Yeah. 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 In fact, I, what, what I thought was interesting because we had a conversation, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, about what does the world look like in a post alien invasion world? That's redundant. Um, <laughs> because will there still be these, Separations, these borders and boundaries and, and countries oh, yeah. as we know them today, and so when they throw that out there with with the stars and stripes really prominent, I mean, of course, they're still going to have a lot of national pride. Of course, they're still going to the that that flag represents a lot of things to them. So I, I didn't see anything wrong with it at all. No, uh, but not. I thought it was interesting in in light of some of the conversations that we had as far as what will the world look like when it's all said and done.
2: Yeah. That's a good point. You know, and even last week they had a couple kind of ragged American flags hanging in the background. Like the one I'm thinking of specifically was when Tom was reloading a gun and mm-hmm. it was just kind of hanging there in the back. And, and it's, and it's really interesting to see that because I think this show more than many shows, you forget about nationality really because mm-hmm. of how devastated everything is. Just like you said. And, and so thinking about. The future and what it means for for civilization, for these people to really still embrace that same pride in the freedom or pride in um, belonging to something, whether that's the old United States or the one that is yet to come. It's it's definitely something that I can resonate with, you know, just being able to hold on to that and fight yeah. for that. It's easier to fight. Maybe that's what it is. It's easier to fight for a flag than to just fight. And so if you can rally behind that.
0: Well, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. And when you think about the where do they stand, particularly with Pope and Mason here at the end of the episode, and we'll, we'll certainly talk about that, but it's the, these types of things where they, they could look at the flag and, and put aside personal differences or harm or, or grievances that they might have and say, that, that flag is a representation of what we have in common and the, the, the common goal that we share to eradicate our world of these alien overlords. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. You yeah. know, what I mean, cause you, you think at the end of the day, and it's a huge, it's a, I think it's a huge gulf between those, those two characters now. But I do still think at the end of the day, there'll be some sort of place where they can, they can lay aside their grievances for now. But. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I think.
2: <laughs> Let's hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> it's gonna be yeah. bloody.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, talk, you know, we we're talking about roles and the different different uh, character arcs, and we're certainly seeing that really well this this season so far. And and this episode was chocked full of them. And Anne is is certainly, I think, coming back around or seeing her in a little bit of a of a, a light that we saw her maybe two seasons ago. Don't you think?
2: Yeah. And even more so, you know, what I loved about her character in the first two seasons was just how dedicated she was to her patience and everything was so patient centric. And now that she's I mean, they're kind of getting it back now, finally, in the beginning of the season. But last season, she totally lost that. And with her single minded pursuit to find Lexi. And and I guess season three was largely her being pregnant and then gone for half the season. So we haven't that's seen yeah. we haven't seen I that old that. Anne in a long time. So seeing her fall back into this mothering role that's also coupled with taking care of patients again. I feel like she is totally coming back into that Anne that I fell in love with in the first couple seasons. So it's you know, and especially with Matt, uh that the, that relationship yeah. there has been really cool to watch.
0: That was really nice to see her just kind of taking care of business, mm-hmm. but also has that motherly ear tuned in to what uh, Matt and the I, still girl, name, name. I still don't know her <laughs> name. Uh, yeah, I mean, because as parents, we do that all the time. We hear our kids having a conversation, and sometimes it's listening in to go, at what point do I want to stop this before it gets in? To, to blows up and sometimes it's like I want to listen in as these kids have a conversation that is incredibly meaningful and 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 deep and mature and a growth, a growth mm-hmm. moment and that's what we saw here between these two kids and yeah you know and I don't know if this is going to last but I mean my gut says that this can't last because there is still a final battle ahead yep. of the second mass and there sounds like they're going to be On the move, starting next week, as they're going to go to Fayetteville, which is halfway across the country from where they're at, or or just about, and then all the way back to DC. So they've got a long trek ahead of them the rest of this season. So I don't know that we're going to see her in this role much anymore, at least not as (sighs) in in such a a calm way. Meaning, meaning there was there was peace in the in the home front this week. You know, I don't know if we're going to get that again. But for what mm. we got this week, it was really nice and refreshing, and a reminder of of what she is in her heart.
2: Right. Well, yeah, and especially you know as a woman, sometimes even coming back into that role reminds you a lot of the things that you lost and that you want to hold on to. I don't know if it's the same way for everybody, but you know, it's just being able to see that in her and hope that she is able to retain some of that now that um, the Lexi stuff is behind them even though you know mm-hmm. undoubtedly they still grieve okay the the girl's right. name is evelyn
0: <laughs> evelyn evelyn at, where are you, you're seeing that in the chat room oh i'm guessing I? right no did you i, look it I looked it up oh. is that <clears throat> evelyn with a v like victor yes is that what you're saying okay yep. just make sure i'm hearing you right evelyn. yeah that doesn't ring a bell at all with me i, I must have completely missed that wherever it was Presented.
2: It was it was when uh, she was reprimanded for picking up the jar with the bug in it, and said, um, mm. "I am so hungry, I could eat this."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. Well, right. basically, uh, we find out, or they they come to this conclusion that there are skitters pouring in from somewhere. They're mm-hmm. they're being replenished, and the whole pretty much plot of this episode then is to find out where they're coming from and plug the hole plug the leak
0: yeah
2: Um, but before before Tom sends people out on that mission I I was really surprised by this but he had recorded a message for the volm to distribute to the other militias Mm -hmm. (laughs) the other militias which as we've already mentioned are being called the Mason militias now yeah did that just make you go oh and slap your head or were you okay with that?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't do a face palm with that. I think that it seemed incredibly logical. Look, okay. you know, we see, we live in a country who, who sings about the pit midnight ride of Paul Revere because it rhymed better than the other guy. We don't even know who the other guy is, right? Unless you're like a history buff. And, we so what goes down in history is oftentimes, yes, associated. Paul Revere was involved with the Midnight Ride, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of that that we know of is is because of that fable that was written, or that story that the poem that was written. So, my my point is mm-hmm. that we like things that have a certain rhythm to them. In this case, alliteration. We we like to put people up on the pedestals because it's a rallying point. Mm-hmm. He's he's sort of a flag, if you will, for, for these other militias. A, he's a figure that they can believe in, gain inspiration from, and rally behind. And mm-hmm. so it seemed perfectly in line with what would happen. Now, he'll go down in the new history books and probably be a larger-in-life character. All of these flaws that we're seeing will be <laughs> forgotten because that's the way history works. And so... Yeah, no, it seemed incredibly. Like, yeah, that that's the way it would go down, no doubt. It would be, I would, I would, because I love alliteration. I'd be like, "Mason's malicious, baby." You know, I just would. That was that's me. You know, dorky yeah. as that is, that was what I would do. Sure, sure.
2: No, that what that's about whole, you. you really, I
0: mean, you did the face palm. Well, so I kind, what of, I only did the of. face
2: palm because I'm like, of course, that's what they're calling them. You know, but you make you make a very good point in, in that some it's it's more often the person who. Yeah, it gets the most face time or is the most visible, regardless of their overall impact. And clearly, Tom has had a huge impact right. on the second mass. That's no doubt at all. And, and, and in the end, I don't really care what they call him. It just is, you know, however, thinking about that, him saying, no, you can't call them that is actually is actually old Tom. <laughs>
0: the yeah, old Tom it's that a, I like. so Yeah. Like I season guess, one that, Tom. Yeah.
2: So as, <laughs> yeah. Long, as long as he doesn't want it, I'm totally cool with it being that. <laughs> the I, I like
0: that he was just like, he was face plumbing. It's like, yes. how many times? I, I got the imp- impression that they had been watching that video and like repeat like five <laughs> times in a row or something. Like, yeah. come on, enough already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to listen to myself. I don't like the sound of my own voice. You know, those sorts
2: of things. <laughs> I know they say take a picture and it'll last longer, but I was kidding. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, but we learned something interesting in that video, which was that 52% of the Ashveni forces have now been wiped out. What do you think of that?
2: Well, in light of the information that we get immediately after that, you know, that they're replenishing their supply of skitters with this factory at the turtle farm, I just, I wonder how in the world that they can come to some sort of conclusion that they've wiped out 52%. I mean, if if they're being replenished, have they made a dent in anything? Or is it just here where the second mass is that they're reproducing them?
0: Well, I don't know. And I think that's a great question. And maybe it was, you know, just they took a snapshot. And that's what it was at that point. Not really not really factoring in or maybe even knowing about the replenishment at that point when they took that snapshot or maybe it's only the power grids, you know, resourced stuff, which would be the mechs and the beamers and those sorts of things. But I don't know, but either way, I think it, I think it points to significant damage in it. You know, you could look at that 52 and go, Oh, the tide has shifted. Just, you know, we're, we, we just, Barely have the upper hand. Yeah, I think that maybe have, have would have been the, the the intended point.
2: Sure. I do. I do have a suspicion, though, that they might only be using. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're so depleted in their forces that they can only replenish their supplies in the places where they need it the most. But still, very interesting. I have a I have a couple concerns about the way that they are. So, okay, let, let's talk about this first. Okay. Um, okay, so they decide to send Pope and Sarah along the pathway or whatever, the road where the skitters are supposedly coming from, the, the new supply of them. And, right. And after that, Tom pulls Ben aside and has him draw a picture of the alien he's been seeing in his vision. So instead of a vision this week, <laughs> even... Uh, Weaver asks for a Woodrow Wilson type of hunch. <laughs> right. So instead of a vision, we actually get a little bit more information on who mm-hmm. he's seeing and where he or who's communicating with them. And did you see my notes here in, in our show notes? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. I like as as I was watching this and and uh Cochise says that the creature Ben Drew is supposedly the extinct version of the pre-enslaved skitters. And I think he said, "Dorian, chat room correct me if I'm wrong."
0: Yeah, but I mean, it was something I, close to that. It, you had it already written down, so I didn't bother to, to do that, so I'm not sure. But that, that sounds like what he said.
2: It was something. It started with a D, and it was something like that. So I I, mm-hmm. I I rewatched it, and I thought he said Dorian, but please correct me if I'm wrong. Anyway, point being is that you totally called it, and I was, like, so excited. I'm like, Daryl! Exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'd love to sit here and, and pat myself on the back and give it up to myself like Clint would, but uh, I don't think I—I I don't think I was the originator of this idea. I—I I heard it somewhere else first. I'm—I'm oh, right. I'm pretty sure I did, and I wish I knew where or who so I could give proper credit because I feel like I owe somebody else credit for coming up with that. Because even there, when we did our recap for this season, and I mentioned that. Uh, I said no, no, no. I thought we talked about it. I thought somebody mentioned it in our feedback last season oh. at the finale or something. So, hmm. um, as much as I would love to take credit for that, I, I don't think I I'll can. Have to go i go back and listen. I, I to do that love one. that we got it answered. I was very, very excited about yes. that, and I'm glad that that it that the prediction was right that that these do did turn out to be the non-skitterized skitters and. So that is very exciting to me. It makes perfect sense for all the reasons we talked about with mm-hmm. the quotes that were said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and all those things that were uh played over to Tom during that moment. So I, I love where this could come from. And, and it, it, look, the doctor who fan in me draws parallels here too, right? Because mm-hmm. the doctor is the last of his species and they're, they're thought to be extinct except for him. And there's some, Plot lines that happened last season that, that I don't know. I don't want to say too much and I don't understand a whole lot, frankly. Well, I mean, it's no secret
2: that it might indicate otherwise. We just don't really know. That's right.
0: Yeah. And so it reminded me of that where you, Mm -hmm. out of nowhere comes this species that is supposedly extinct. We didn't know that. We learned that here. And that makes it even more powerful for me. Where have they been? What what have Mm -hmm. they been doing? Have they been hiding? Somewhere in the universe, or in plain sight, somehow, you know, getting ready for this day, knowing that it was going to take a long time for them to be ready to launch mm-hmm. a counter assault to the Ashvini, and that day has finally come. And huh. and Tom and the and the humans are the perfect ally for that. I don't know, but it really has me excited mm-hmm. to, to 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 learn more. I'm glad we learned what we did, and I think the possibilities are are frankly fascinating, and I can't wait to see how this plays out.
2: Absolutely. There there weren't a whole lot of advancing the plot moments that I found in this episode, but this was definitely one of them. Just this information that they're supposed to be extinct, according to the Volm, and that it is who Tom is seeing, and clearly Tom can't just make these things up. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's pretty pretty certain that we will be at least getting to See them in some form, but okay. So I guess my question is: this might be a little bit too technical, and we don't have to dwell on it or anything. But there, there, there's just a little inconsistency in my mind about them having the ability to create skitters Mm -hmm. when you need a human in order to skitterize the human. Like they haven't the 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 closest they've come to cloning a human. It looks like is in. Uh, in that small bug or whatever that they got the eyes out of the human eyes mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so I'm just wondering how they're they're c- producing more skitters when this race is supposed to be extinct like they're just they have two sets of DNA and they can just make them now i i guess I guess I can deal with that
0: yeah just. i don't I don't think that um I, th- I think it's a valid question I, I think that the assumption I made was that. The Ashvini have had, have been, have had the skitters, we'll still call them that, mm-hmm. under their possession and control for so long that they have figured out how to sure. replicate them or, or, or whatever, create them from, you know, some sort of ooze. And that's what we saw them coming, coming out of. So, Ease. Uh, and, and they just haven't gotten to that point yet with the humans. It's, it's still relatively new in terms mm-hmm. of their workings with that DNA. Mm hmm. And that, that's a good enough exclamation. Exclamation. How about explanation? <laughs> sure. <laughs> explanation. There you go. That's an exclamative uh, exponent explan. talking? <laughs> uh, anyway, that's good enough for me. Hubadah hubadah yeah. hobbeda. No, and, and, and
2: I'm not and I really don't want to harp on this because it's not gonna be the thing that I pick apart. I just I, I remember thinking way back when we f- when Anne first Ann and Oh my gosh, I'm already blanking on her name. Dead girl. Sarah? No nope last season dead Lexi nope Lexi's priestess oh uh Lourdes Lourdes thank you <laughs> when when Anne and Lourdes so many dead girls I oh can't keep up with them I'm all. sorry <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say Denny
0: <laughs> oh yeah forgot about her
2: so when when Anne and Lourdes found a harness on the skitter I had I think I had just made this assumption in my mind that the harness had embedded itself so well that it produced this exoskeleton around the original skitter body. So I was thinking more along the lines of this is, this is what a skitter looks like after it's been harnessed and been living under the oppression for a very long time. But
0: that was exactly my understanding as well until this episode. And when okay. we saw them pouring out of that, that tank of goo yep. that changed things. You're right. Absolutely. But prior to this, I thought every single skitter was a one-to-one equal to what they had captured and enslaved
2: right because why else would you need to put a harness on a skitter unless it wasn't in its original form
0: right and so it could just be that the you know like last week when i was talking about you could see where the harness once was it's just a remnant of the dna strand that they're using to create these these new breed of skitters if you will
2: yeah yeah okay well, that's all the time I want to spend on that. Because yeah, I
0: speculation. It's really interesting. The things I hadn't really thought of at all, to be honest with you. Okay, I just didn't even give that a second thought.
2: <laughs> the things we think about while watching falling skies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, what's next? Mm.
0: Shall we talk about Anthony and his situation?
2: <laughs> yeah, let's do that.
0: I feel bad for this guy. I love Anthony. I think everyone I loves Anthony. Everybody loves Anthony. There's nothing not to love about Anthony, even though last week he blew up the the food storage this week. He's off the rails a little bit. Even then, I think I I don't want to assume, you know, for everyone, but I think that, that it's reasonable to look at him and go, he's still lovable in this. Or he's, yeah, Yeah. he's, he's a victim of sorts. He's, he's, he lost Denny. She was ripped apart in Mm -hmm. front of him. and, Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, the PTSD is is definitely what's going on here, and mm-hmm. you feel bad for the guy, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, what a what a tough journey he has been on all season, and this week just just made your ache for him even more.
2: Yeah, like like Tom said in the first episode, everyone in the Second Mass has lost someone, and they're going to continue to lose people. So it's not like Anthony is alone in this. It's just, you know, there's sometimes you can only handle so much before that breaking point.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, maybe it was Denny who was holding Anthony together through all of that stuff last year as they were separated from most of the second mass and all of that. So, I mean, losing someone like that in, in that way, I don't blame him at all for kind of going off the rails. But why does it seem like Anthony is always the one on guard duty? When he gets when when the guard gets jumped by the prisoner, I mean it's happened at least three times now.
3: Has it? I <laughs> and just, the only I guess times they
2: ever have a prisoner is Anthony's on guard. He got jumped, <laughs> and they always pick him up off the ground and go, "Are you okay, man?"
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: and he's always holding his head.
0: He got bonked really got good bonked. this time. Holy cow! That was a cool little. I did not see that particular. Attribute whatever weapon I don't know what do you want to call it with the uh, Brian the the skitterized human where he could kind of make his arm go out and yeah sh- yeah that was pretty cool that was pretty cool we actually we heard about it there and then we actually saw it in action a little bit a little bit later oh yeah but
2: oh man um, okay yeah l- let's follow that thread uh so after after they realize Caitlin and Brian are gone you know mm-hmm. immediately Maggie snaps to attention and says. They're here because of me and goes after him, how to follow her. And the conversation they have on the walk to find Caitlin and Brian was really interesting to me for a couple of reasons. And and I was actually talking with a coworker today about this, and and he mostly agreed with me except for the second part. But okay, so I interpreted the conversation that they had as, you know, clearly she, she doesn't understand the same kind of connection that comes from the type of family bond that the mason's have that's mm-hmm. that's that's granted she's probably spent the majority of her life trying to numb every sort of of emotion because it's mostly just pain you know from cancer to drugs and just being an unhappy person so she's come a very long way to be where she is now and having the connection to ben and even Being able to look into the Overlord eventually, she says something to to um, Hal, and I'm wondering about your interpretation of this. I'm not trying to be all like, let's talk about the love triangle thing, but um, she says, "I something along the lines of I never understood that connection until now, in a strange way." And the look she gives Hal makes me think that she's talking about Ben. Hmm. Do do you know the scene I'm talking about?
0: I do. I know the line you're talking about. Yeah.
2: So, and and I, that's how I interpreted it. And it was mostly because of the look at the very end. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's acting. So it could have been right. an accident. So I, I'm just curious about what your interpretation of that is.
0: Well, I think that that's a really valid interpretation. And it's making me doubt my interpretation. My interpretation was that when she connected with Brian, mm-hmm. that She got into his head and she was able to connect with him deeply, emotionally and physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And because of that, she, she experienced something that she had never experienced before. And that was the connection that he had to his sister, Caitlin. And that's, that's what I, that's what I interpreted it as or took it as was that was something new for her. And it caused her to be able to, to, you know, that's why she's doing what she was doing. Yeah, but I love is. your interpretation of that, and I think that you might be right.
2: Well, that's funny, because I think yours is probably more valid in context, because I don't know why she would start bringing up Ben at that point in time. But both seem to be t- completely viable options. Two options for you, listener. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. Well, But I, I listen, I think... Whether or not that was what she was referring to in that moment or not, there's no denying this, this deep connection that she feels to Ben and the, the turmoil that it's causing her to have this, this back and forth and uncertainty. Right.
2: So really, it could mean both. It could have a very, very deep double meaning in that sense. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Because, you know, it's like. Hal has tried everything he possibly can to keep the two of them away from each other and Mm -hmm. to make it very clear to Maggie that he wants her. So he, she, and she keeps telling him, I can't fight these spikes. You've got to know that. This is, this is something I cannot control. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So it could very well be, uh, have a double meaning. But okay, I found this, this next part really interesting too. And I was, I don't know. I was a little surprised by the result. You know, overall, though, in this episode, I felt like there was a lot more swearing than usual. Did you mm. feel that at all? Yeah, I did. And I, I think it has to do with the whole rage thing, but I was just super surprised. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. But anyway, uh, I, I say that because when the when Brian blows his head off, they actually show it to us and I don't think
0: mm-hmm.
2: on even cable television I've ever seen a suicide even if it is well, a skitterized human. Yeah. Well, I, I, if it
0: had been a human, I don't know that they would have showed it quite as graphically.
2: Right. Because he's wearing that awesome costume.
0: Can we just I take a moment thought...
2: and just like pay homage to this costume? I mean, they come up with some wacko things on this show as far as costumes yeah. go. But Wow.
0: Did you that like the costume? Like, I'm like, not sure where you're coming down on this year. I
2: have no idea. I'm like, on the one hand, it's totally old school horror. Not like horror, but like those those movies that you used to make as a kid. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon and you would mm-hmm. like cover yourself in leaves and roll around in the mud or something. I mean, it was totally like that kind of thing, except, you know, professional. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> professional yeah. people rolling around in the mud and covering themselves in leaves. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not doing them any any uh, favors here. You're not really, they're not taking this as a compliment. They aren't, oh, because I was totally beating it, that's one. <laughs> I liked the costume. I I thought, you know what? I thought they were going to go all CG, and it was clearly a practical effect that they did. There was some CG there, too, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't get a lot of use out of that, right? You, when we get those, those glimpses of him behind bars, I think those were all CG, maybe not. Hmm. you know so that that suit wasn't cheap to make and and didn't get a lot of screen time but uh, i thought it was actually pretty effective mm-hmm. uh, that and the makeup job they did on on the actor
2: the makeup uh, job was phenomenal like i stopped yeah. it a couple times when it was just on his face and mm-hmm. and the detail that went into the mouth especially you know not, they did not look like human teeth at all
1: mm-hmm. and though
2: it had like a human like presence it was it was very creepy and very well done. They they did a great job with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Undoubtedly. It was mostly just like making him look like he actually had like a leather suit on <laughs> from the yeah. neck down that made me kind of have the yeah, other look, response. I,
0: it It was clearly a suit. It was clearly oh, yeah. a suit. Yeah. Right? But but uh I still liked it. I thought it was it was maybe for the reasons you said it was kind of like an old school thing and it's in a wor- in a world <laughs> Where computer graphics are completely overused and ridiculous, I found it refreshing.
2: Yes, absolutely, I totally agree on that point. <laughs> totally agree. So, what do you think the uh, the Overlord would have done if if Maggie hadn't b- been there to interpret for Brian, or for like the the let's see, the Overlord was speaking to Caitlin and Brian?
0: Yeah, through Maggie, right? I think that the exactly what would have happened is that. The Brian would have killed Caitlin, which he did anyway with a gun, but he would have done it with his whipping arm or whatever. <laughs> and then he would have went back with the alien overlord. I think that's exactly what would have happened. What about you?
2: I, I just didn't know. I just thought it was really convenient that Mackie happened to be there so that he could communicate with Caitlin. But, yeah.
0: Um, you know, it gave a very powerful ending to their to their story arc. I was really surprised that we only got Caitlin and Brian for two episodes. I mean, not even two episodes, but they were in two episodes. Mm-hmm. And it, it, um, I don't know what to do with that. I thought, I would have thought that, that we would have gotten more of them, but, but we didn't. And, but it, it was a, it was a nice thing with Maggie being there. She was able to communicate with Brian and therefore, you know, communicate to Caitlin in a way that Brian couldn't. And I thought it was very, very powerful. Could the story have done without them? I mean, I, I think so. I mean, the only thing that they seem to have served was um, we learned a, what a scuderized human it looks like, but we'd already seen that last season through Genie, so I don't think that gave us anything new. Uh, they captured an overlord, which allowed them to then get information to go to the turtle farm. That was important. That yeah. was a big win. But that then the it. overlord is dead at the end of the episode, too. So I'm thinking about their whole story arc, and while I love the conversations that come out of relationships brother sister family those types of things big win for that mm-hmm. uh, the Caitlin and Brian characters I don't know I mean I was they seem like a waste in, the, in a sense but like I said we did we did get some takeaways from them
2: right yeah that's that's a good question where where could they actually have gone though with either of those characters other than kind of just assimilating Caitlin into the mix and putting Brian yeah. down but
0: yeah, well, no, like I, I said, well, the, our Twitter poll question last week was, will, will the skitterized human be friend or foe? Mm. And I really thought that he would become more of a weapon to be used by one side or the other. You know, he's, that's why he was made that way is to serve as a weapon against the humans for the Ashveni. But because he still was retaining some humanity, I thought it stood to reason that he could be used as a weapon against the Ishvini for the humans. And it turned out to be neither of those things. And so yeah. I was, I was surprised by that.
2: Yeah, they don't really have time to spend taming a skitterized human, though, which.
0: No, you're right.
2: But but yeah, so I I think you you nailed it, though. The only reason really was to bring out more of the discussion about family, maybe even to lead Maggie along to her end, whatever that is going to be. And then also to uh, turn an overlord over to them. So, I mean, that would not have happened if if the two hadn't escaped and they definitely wouldn't have been able to go to the turtle farm. So, yeah. So in that way, I mean, they were a means to an end, but it was, it's kind of like, you know, that happens in everyday life too. You just run into people who impact you momentarily and then everybody moves on with their life. So I think, I think being able to still demonstrate that that happens in this world gives more credibility to the fact that there are people surviving around you don't have to be in a militia <laughs> to to survive but
0: yeah, that's a good point too
2: yeah but okay so i really i really liked this that you know even though maggie kind of pushes uh pushes hal to, into the rock and and succumbs to her spikes hal yeah. still creeps around while she's under control of the overlord and is able to subdue him stabs him that was perfect
0: yeah, it was great. That was great. Was great.
2: <clears throat> and they. Yeah,
0: I was surprised they didn't go ahead and kill him right then and there, but I thought it was a better idea that they didn't.
2: Oh, if, if Hal hadn't been thinking clearly, Maggie would have shot him. I mean, mm-hmm. she said later that she wanted to have a shot at him in whatever way it was possible, so she was ready to kill him. But, you know, Hal thinking yeah. clearly.
0: You know what it reminded me of? I'll take just a small detour here. Back in Season 1 of Lost um when we when we discover Ethan Rom is an other <laughs> and they have him captured spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen lost yet but i think we're beyond the spoiler you know time frame sure uh and they've got him they've got him surrounded and and they're going to be able to get information they're going to be able to get answers and i mean i'm on the edge of my seat on the couch oh. going yes we're going to finally get some smoking gun in the hand of Charlie. (laughs) And I remember yelling at my TV going, No! We could have gotten answers! Oh, I totally remember that. So we got a little bit of answers here. This was a nice move. This was not a Charlie Pace move that (laughs) happened here.
2: Very good analogy. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you for that detour.
0: <laughs> not that I'm still bitter about Charlie Day no. shooting Ethan Rom or anything.
2: Never would have thought you were. <laughs> Never crossed my mind. <laughs> anyway, uh, we digress. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I need
0: some. I think I need some therapy. I just I didn't realize all that aggression was still there until I started talking about it.
2: You mean the podcast we did wasn't therapy enough for that? Apparently
0: not. Apparently not.
2: Mm, okay. Yeah. All right, so they drag the Overlord back to camp, and let's see as as Tom is <laughs> interviewing the overlord its it becomes very clear very quickly you know that the Overlord isn't going to give anything up, and we would expect nothing less, right? right, of course, yes, but I thought I found it interesting that Ben was encouraging his father to torture the Overlord.
0: mm-hmm, and, well, that, and it had to be that way,
2: yeah. No, no, for for sure, for sure. I,
0: mean, I it, for for Tom to go look, and Tom, look, we've already said he's founding his, his his inner warrior or, or channeling his warrior, whatever the phrase was. I can't think of it. This find in your second. warrior. Thank you. He found his warrior, but even then, it would be beyond that even to go to your own son and go. Can I torture you vicariously? You know, through this this overlord. It needed to come from Ben. Ben needed to give his dad yeah. the okay to do that.
2: But even even as Tom was like. I'm not going to do that unless I know that you can outlast him. Do you think you can outlast him? I mean, can you ever imagine asking that of your son?
0: Right. Poor (laughs) Colby. Yeah.
2: I just, I was, I I shouldn't be surprised anymore by the things that they say. (laughs) It was just surprising. But, yeah. But I, I, uh, you know, Tom says we have to come up with another solution. And Ben does. He thinks... Well, I love this conversation between Ben and Maggie. <laughs> he goes up to her, says, "I was so close to being able to get into an Overlord's mind, and I think that if I had all of my spikes, I'd be able to do it." She's like, "What do you want them back?"
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that was, I was wondering where he was going with that. I'm like, yeah. what is, "They can't do that,
2: can they?" I mean,
0: yeah.
2: do you want them back? I mean, we, we've talked before about what would happen if even Ben's spikes were removed, uh like would, would his asthma come back or was that what he had? Right. Asthma? Yeah. Eyesight.
0: And eyesight, yeah.
2: And uh and so would Maggie go back to being paralyzed, but luckily that's not where they were going with that. He just wanted her to help him connect to the Overlord's mind. And
0: Man, and that was intense. <laughs> that was like, so I, intense. I thought they'd be able to do it just because that seemed like the way the story was gonna play out. But when they got done, they were both like oozing blood from their ears and from their nose. And well, they were they were
2: oozing blood from all of the same places that the Overlord was. He had he had blood coming out of his ear. He had blood coming out of his nose, and they were holding coming
0: out of his entire face because there was a little bit of a hole there.
2: That's not until the very (laughs) end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. Never mind. But you know, speaking
2: of that moment when Anthony completely like shoots the guy's face off, I'm thinking. Oh no! What's going to happen to Ben and Maggie? But
0: yeah, yeah, because yeah. they weren't,
2: you know, because you they know the the, the scene last year when when the Anne started beating the Ishveni mm-hmm. and Ben started keeling over. I can't mm-hmm. remember now if his spikes were glowing or not, but it seemed like they hadn't been connected for a while, and he just randomly started feeling the effects of it. So I was like. Whatever you do to this overlord, they're going to feel it no matter where mm-hmm, they are. But mm-hmm. but maybe his spikes were glowing.
0: Yeah, I think there had to be that connection there before before right. it would happen. But And the
2: Ashvani yeah. have like a 5-mile radius, right? So
0: <laughs> Right.
2: He could get them from anywhere. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so back to uh back to the torture scene then.
0: Yeah, and so that's how we learn about Turtle Farm. Right. And so Pope and Sarah are following the trail to the origination of where where are all these things coming from? Where are all the skitters coming from? Which mm-hmm. is the turtle farm? Yeah. Later in the episode, when Sarah falls into the random fog, I'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> uh, and and then we learn from the Overlord where they're originating from. Those paths should have crossed. Those paths should not have been in the Thank complete you. opposite direction. I was quite confused by that. I, I guess you. I wasn't the only one.
2: No, I'm going. They were going south. It, Pope said something about being a... Or she was a couple clicks south. And mm-hmm. the information they got from the Overlord is that all the skitters are originating... Or the turtle farm is in the north.
0: Yeah, so I don't... Unless they were I, like doing this big circle around, you know, to, taking the long way around. And just Pope and Sarah would have eventually ended up at the turtle farm, but they were taking the long way there because the trail... It didn't make any sense. No, it didn't they make any sense. They should have been at the same place. You know, should have, okay. the origination point should have been the same place.
2: Good. I'm glad... It wasn't just me because I'm like, what am I missing yeah. here?
0: Seems like it was just a plot hole who caused the whole Sarah thing. That we right. Get. Well,
2: clearly, I mean, from the very beginning of, well, not the very beginning, but almost the moment that Pope and Sarah left without Ben, I was like, oh crap. <laughs> Someone's going to die. <laughs> I never
0: saw it coming. <laughs> never. Did. And I saw in your notes because you made notes before I did since I just watched it today. <laughs> and uh I'm trying it's it's a challenge because we share notes we share a, a Google Doc and we go in there and add our thoughts that we want to talk about and so when you go in as late as I did to do the notes you've already got everything in there so I'm trying I, I'll watch a segment and then while it's on commercial I'll put in my thoughts and I try not to read too far ahead because I don't want to get spoiled on what's just about right. to happen <laughs> and um but uh where was I going with this thought um, oh st- but I, I did see in there some note you said about predicting sarah was going to die and at that point i didn't read the whole note i just saw a piece of it and i and i was trying to figure out does sarah die or does emily just say oh look at this conversation she's clearly going to die but either way i never saw it coming i thought i thought it was all i thought all signs were pointing to pope and sarah shall repopulate the earth that was all that i thought i never saw death coming until it happened well i mean if, if anybody
2: ever tells me that charming. I would make beautiful babies, I might slap them in the face. <laughs> 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 and she's all just like, oh, that's the sweetest thing anybody's ever said to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm I was like-
0: <laughs> totally throwing up in my mouth about that time. Uh, not really. You, you I were- felt bad. You I feel like I was way too harsh on them last week because Pope has come a long way. Sarah seems like she's a pretty decent girl, and they seem like they're perfect for each other. Now you, you know? say that
2: as she's dead.
0: Well, I says I guess I feel a little bad now that she's uh, dead. Like, okay, you know the the Earth could have been populated with worse people than Pope and Sarah. I mean, they I had both turned over a new leaf.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Uh, uh, but but anyway, no, I never saw. Speaking it of leaves, <laughs> see, perfect segue. <laughs> <laughs> so like, she, you have a yeah. piece of fog that is about the size of a hula hoop not even as big as a hula hoop.
2: it wasn't it wasn't fog until she landed on it i think it was hiding under the leaves
0: okay she because, did say something about the under the leaves didn't she yeah because i was just like that's the dumbest klutziest weirdest thing i've ever seen in my life like make a tree fall over on her make her fall and sprain her ankle or like random small batch of fog was just the dumbest thing i've ever heard. It yeah. seemed pretty weak, but i don't know. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way that she got trapped. I thought a better trap could have been set.
2: Yeah, that that was interesting cuz you know, i when i was rewatching and trying to find a screen cap to use for the featured image on the blog post, you know, very important things. Right. Uh, I, I had accidentally paused it at the point right after she jumps like I was trying to get her as she was jumping or whatever. <laughs> and um it, and her she was actually on her knees and her right. and the soles of her feet were like up against the log or, or the tree trunk or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I'm just wondering how she got there.
0: <laughs> I know. It's an awkward I completely agree. Like if if you if you step down off the log you would think your feet would stick first, right? Right. I, mean, the, the, I don't. I don't know. It didn't make any sense to me. I thought the whole thing was okay. a little bit too contrived. But, but um, you
2: know, okay. Aside from how she gets stuck in the right. fog, so like whatever, put that aside. I right. thought now, everything about that was perfect. Like they needed a way for her to die and needed Pope to go off the rails, mm-hmm. eventually, <laughs> and and so they 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 created this scenario in which. They could do nothing else but send him back for help. I mean, clearly there's no other way to destroy the fog other with fight other than with fire. And so, I thought that was great. She she t- completely acknowledges that the only way for them to get rescued is if he goes back and gets the flamethrower. And she is very adamant that she can defend herself. And, you know, and if it hadn't been for those bugs, she probably could have survived the night. So wherever those bugs came from, you know, it, it was one of those unforeseeable things.
0: Yeah. Were those, but were those alien bugs or those bug bugs?
2: I assumed that they were the alien bugs just because yeah, I don't think. Yeah, eat that fast and stuff? Yeah, anything else couldn't have done that much damage to her legs.
0: Gosh, that was yeah. so <laughs> disgusting. The, the the legs, the, what was left of them, kind of gross, kind of creepy. Kind, I mean, I don't know. I felt bad for her. Yeah, absolutely. Like half the person she used to be.
2: <laughs> but
0: You don't have to laugh at that.
2: I didn't, as you
0: noticed. <laughs> that was a general comment to the listeners.
2: <laughs> oh, right. You already know what my yeah. response will be. <laughs> yeah, I can see your
0: response, which was no response. Like, if I don't respond, maybe it didn't happen.
2: <laughs> if I stay really still, maybe he won't notice me.
0: Yeah, it's like a T-Rex. He right. can not acknowledge it. He's blind to it. <laughs> it's like it's uh, not here. Right. Uh, you know, here's here's the thing, though. There it is. There it is. you gotta get the no time is a good time for goodbyes line in. oh
2: there. my gosh yeah okay yeah. so now that we've said I, goodbye I was, to Sarah <laughs>
0: I, look, look, let me say this you know as 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 hard as we've been on Pope and Sarah like I that probably a little overly <laughs> critical for myself they in th- th- this ending to Sarah was was great I I was genuinely sad to see her go I thought both actors did a pretty good job Um uh um uh Colin um help me with his last name Cunningham thank you i thought it was fantastic oh yes yes um mira was good i thought colin was fantastic um and it was it we'll see look we've seen what happened to anthony now that denny got ripped apart uh this will be his denny ripping moment uh, mm-hmm. for for pope i think um however his aggression is not toward the aliens, it's toward Tom at this point, whether he can get that mm-hmm. kind of targeted to where it ought to be. I mean, I'd say that Tom is not at fault in some way. I think there's some, some reason you could point blame at him for sure. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's going to be a fire that will ignite Pope. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. Were you surprised at the call Tom made to not go save Sarah first?
0: No. No, but had it been one of the Mason boys, he would have made the opposite call. That's true. He's always made the opposite call for the Masons. They've always been kind of exclusionary. That is a very, very good point. Or exceptionary. You know what I mean. There have been exceptions to the rules when, when the Masons are involved.
2: You know, this reminds me of a story they used to tell at church camp when I was very little. And they might still actually use it, but there's a story about a guy... Uh, a man who has a son and this man is one of those people who operate the uh, bridges over rivers to let ships through and then to mm-hmm. let trains cross or whatever and have you heard this one before
0: no i'm laughing at the chat room they're going oh, okay. crazy good with uh, like 80s um 80s music puns right now it's fantastic
2: <laughs> okay anyway so so one day this this man takes his son to work with him and they're having fun, and his dad is lowering the bridge or raising it, depending on if there's a ship or a train coming. Mm-hmm. And they go off to have lunch, and then they take a nap. And when the dad wakes up, he sees that his son has gotten caught in the gears that operate the uh, the thing that lifts the bridge or lowers it. And it's lifted right now because they had just let a ship through. But there is a train coming. And he has to make a decision on whether to kill his son and let the train of people survive so that he can lower the gears and lower the bridge or to save his son and let the whole train of people die because he extracts his son from the gears instead of lowering the bridge. Mm -hmm. So, and ultimately, you know, it's just a example of Christ's sacrifice, but. Uh, he makes the decision to sacrifice his son so that the train of people can survive. And, mm-hmm. and like, and at first, that's kind of how I, I saw Tom making that decision. You know, just, you have to think about what is best for everyone, not just for one person, no matter how adamant they are. Like, I need you to save Sarah. She's right now she's dying <laughs> you know right. you and, and just like this this man who sees his son stuck in the gears as a train is coming knowing that lowering the bridge will kill his son you have to make a split-second decision but you are absolutely right that if it had been his son if it had been one of tom's sons stuck in those gears or stuck in the fog no doubt would he have gone for them
0: that's right. Yeah, and I think that your your point is also valid where you had to look at the greater good, and unfortunately Sarah was on the opposite side of that for that particular moment. Now you could certainly argue did they have to go and blow up Turtleville at that very moment? You know, would what well, half an hour or an hour have have ruined everything? And they didn't know. They didn't know. All they knew was that there the there was an almost enough skitters. That's, assimilated to, 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 to bring on the attack, and that would have been the end of it. So I think they it was a tough call.
2: Well, that's the thing that I don't get is because when when Pope is, was pleading with Tom to go get Sarah, Tom actually says, we know something's happening within the hour. And and I don't remember them saying that at all. I mean, I don't hmm. remember Ben and that. Maggie saying that, but I, I know that Tom said it when they were in the car. So where he came up with that time frame and this very arbitrary very quick time frame <laughs> yeah
0: i don't know well, they knew that it was almost the, the 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 like i said there was almost enough skitters assimilated to 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 be able to pull off what they were trying to do but how he got the within an hour time yep. frame i'm not sure where, where he came up with that
2: right yeah because part. you know if if they hadn't have said that there would have been plenty of time to go get her
0: mm-hmm. well at least I got that wine and nice dinner last week oh my gosh
2: well, you know, so much of what happened between the two of them over the last two or the first two episodes of the season, at least make a lot more sense. But yeah, also, you know, like we were saying last week, that last scene with them having a date was just such a waste of screen time. And now it seems like just even more of a waste
0: of screen time. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make you feel like they got there. At least like I just at least they got that one moment, that wasteful food <laughs> and the wine that came from nowhere and the fancy plates I mean and I wouldn't have felt candles. any
2: differently about her death now I'm if
0: mm-hmm.
2: if that scene hadn't existed you know
0: yeah. no I wouldn't either you're right uh
2: All last right. point on this uh going after the uh, the skidder farm turtle farm whatever yeah. <laughs> I really liked Weaver's comment uh yeah. just he said he's said or Tom asks him should should I have gone to rescue her first clearly deep in thought about it And Weaver says, no, but there was a time when you would have. And I thought that was so true.
0: You know what's really great about this show from day one? Tom and Weaver have always stood as a counterbalance to each other. Whether that was in the beginning when Weaver was more of the uh, military leader than Tom Mm -hmm. was. Whether it's now, whether, mm-hmm. whether it's when one of them is tired, the other ones are to pick them up. You know, they are such a nice counterbalance to each other, and this was no exception to that. And there's been a couple of seasons, scenes this season where they've done that. And last, you know, with the Anthony, you know, taking it out on the skidder, that was another one of those scenes. And again, yeah. Weaver is the one who seems to have the the better prevailing thought between the two of them at this time. He's absolutely right. There is a time. Where not only would Tom have done it this time if it had been one of his own, but there is a time where he would have done it for anybody. For
2: anyone, but, yeah.
0: But, you know, he's also found his, um, help me out here. Good warrior? Goodness. He found his warrior. <laughs> I still can't think of the words for some reason. And there's been a mental switch, and, and Tom is still struggling with that switch that's been turned.
2: Yeah. Well, Pope definitely found his warrior.
0: <laughs> yes staring at him through the fire and when he's just burning with rage oh my gosh great like, nicely done
2: i i for for the twitter poll question this week i i asked who's who's gonna snap first anthony or pope and i was yeah. trying to get a good screenshot of of pope's menacing stare through the flames but i just wasn't getting high enough resolution but man that was a that was a frowny, frowny frown.
0: Yeah, that was good. Very good but Pope or uh,
2: the reason I I threw out that Twitter poll question was because Anthony really seemed to have it in for Anne this week. Like she's always yeah. just trying to help, and he's snapping at her. And then she finally takes his gun away. And so I'm a little worried that Anthony is going to have a bone to pick with Anne
0: hmm.
2: and Pope with Tom. And it's just a matter of who gets there first or whatever, but
0: yeah, it's a good point.
2: I fear for them
3: both.
0: Yeah. Should be good next week. Do we want to talk about what next week's episode title is?
2: Unsurprisingly, and you might be able to lend a little bit more to the name of it, but season Mm. or, uh, episode four of the season is called Pope breaks bad.
0: Right. You think this has to do with meth? (laughs) No, but did you see? This is another little side trail. Did you see, um, Walter White? The real actor's name is Brian Cranston. Did you see him at Comic Con this week?
2: I saw the clip of him serving that one kid about uh, Albuquerque. Yes. It (laughs) was
0: so good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Breaking Bad is this term, and, and I don't know that many people really knew the term before, uh, Vince Gilligan. You know, made it famous with his uh, with his show, but are you familiar with what the term means to break bad? Who's
2: Vince Gilligan?
0: Vince Gilligan is the creator of Breaking Bad.
2: Oh, okay. Do I know what it means?
0: Right. Yeah.
2: I don't know what it means. No.
0: Okay. So, what it means? I'm going to actually pull it up here and give you because there's a there's a great definition of it here. I'm going to I'm going to pull up here. So Pope Breaks Bad is the name of next week's episode, and to break bad means to challenge conventions, to defy authority, and to skirt the edges of the law.
2: So Pope's back to old tricks, huh?
0: It sounds like Pope's back to season, what, season two or season one, Pope? whenever Season one tricks. Season one, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what it sounds like, which, again, uh, I think that's what we would expect after what happened uh, and that glare he was giving through the fire.
2: Yeah. And I did not want to be on the other side of that glare. Oof.
0: Yeah. Woo-wee. All right. Well, any any other thoughts before we get into feedback?
2: I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Mm-hmm. Or at least all of the highlights. Yeah, so- I'm, I'm really just excited to hear more about the Dorian, or I think Ganon called him Dornia or something, and I... Yeah, so... Well, well, we'll have an actual species or name for these people next week. They're not people. They're aliens. <laughs> species name for the aliens next week. I promise. I will close caption it just to be sure.
0: Sounds good. Okay, cool. All right, Well, right. Let's get into some feedback. I've got a couple audios this week, as always, and we're grateful for those. This one comes in from Justina.
1: Hi, Daryl and Emily. This is Justina for Cast. I'm not necessarily a Pope and Sarah fan, but can quote of the week please go to Sarah to honor her because it was my favorite quote. Lions and tigers and skitters. Oh my. I am sad for Sarah's death because I've really enjoyed the character that Pope has evolved into and I really worry that this turn of events will cause him to devolve, and I'm really worried about what that might look like. I'm very glad that at the end of the episode, Tom's rage seems to be subsiding a little bit, and a little bit of the old Tom showed through when he seemed to be questioning whether or not he made the right decision by going to the... Hatchling Factory first and not rescuing Sarah first and I think that is definitely something that the old Tom Mason would struggle with so I was glad to see a return to that behavior I was super excited for Cochise to identify the alien that Tom sees in his visions and I'm pretty sure that somebody on this podcast predicted that and I wish that I could remember who it was, because they get full credit for that, and it was awesome that they predicted it, that that was the Skitter's original form. I just really wish I could remember who said that. The Overlord had something in his hand when Anthony shot him, and to me it looked like one of those rock, Communicator things that we saw last season that allowed the overlords to go to that other plane and talk to each other. So he destroyed that so that, um, Tom and the second mass would not have access to the other overlords. I give this episode eight out of ten hard decisions. Mm. Hope you have a great week.
0: So do you think I think she's completely right that the little glowing coal thing that the overlord had in his hand was one of those communica- communi- communicators? Communers. Do you think he was able to Do you think he was actually communicating with another overlord like was there a message that was sent or received?
2: Whether anything actually went through I really don't know but okay first of all just you know that was some excellent feedback thank you so much for that because I I was thinking how ironic it was that Anthony actually probably saved the second mass from something that could potentially be much bigger had the overlord mm-hmm. had more time to communicate. But mm-hmm. I mean, we, we saw it very clearly last season, how those rocks can be used to communicate or listen in. So whether he right. was listening in like Lexi had, or he was actually having a conversation with another one of them, we don't know, obviously. So all we can do right now is speculate that he Probably got some sort of distress call out, or maybe if it wasn't a distress call, maybe it was you know validating our plans are in motion. You know they mm-hmm. they always seem to be one step ahead of the humans. So
0: yeah, yeah,
2: something got out, but w- yeah. how extreme it was
0: we have yet to. Fight. And I like her thought that if if only Cochise could be somehow come into knowledge of what Anthony saw, he could validate what Anthony says that he saw. Right. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't. It'd be nice if it did, you know, for Anthony's sake, if if no one else's, you know, because right now he's being ostracized. And, and you know, I think he probably does have some PTSD and he probably does need to take a break. But yep. that decision was not a bad one. Now, the decision to go in there in the first place probably was, but the decision to kill the overlord was not
2: right. Well, he clearly went down there with the intention to kill him. And he found his opportunity to, and it just so happens, like from our vantage point, we know that he did something smart. Because I, I don't know, try shooting off his hand, maybe I don't know. Yeah. But he's, but he's definitely not thinking that clearly.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. How about we hear from
2: Ganon now? Okay. Eh. All right. He says, wow, what an amazing episode Hatchlings was. Packed with everything, action, drama, heart, and of course, death. This was my favorite episode of the final season thus far. It pushed the story further, which I felt was lacking in episode two. Let's just get it out of the way. Sarah's death. <laughs> I know you both didn't like her, especially Emily. Uh, while at times she was a bit over the top and annoying, I honestly didn't mind her for what story she was given, mostly for Pope, who I felt Both these past two seasons was developed the best and unfortunately is going down a dark path now, which I personally don't want to see. Totally with you there, buddy. Mm -hmm, Uh, Anyways, the death was very touching and heartfelt. A death like this also needed to happen for Tom. Uh, That's a good point. There are implications to Tom now thinking that he was not responsible, but he, he did certainly have a chance to save her, and that has to be on him now. Right. I forgot about that. Uh, The Caitlin and Brian stuff, Ganon says, was also some of my favorite stuff. In fact, uh, that had more of an impact on me than Sarah. It truly shows how evil the Ishveni are for turning these humans into these abominations. Very tragic and sad to see Caitlin go. Would have loved to see more of her. And finally, what I've been waiting for, the Dornia. Uh, Just as I switched in thinking that these were a new alien species, they were the skitters from before they were harnessed. That was very rewarding, and I can't wait to see when they finally reveal themselves in true form to Tom. Oh, me too. Uh, it was also great to see another Overlord, although, once again, not our villain. It got me excited to know who he was or trying to communicate with him before Anthony killed him. I am calling it right now. The final battle will take place in the White House. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, okay. Uh, lots of things went down and very excited for the next episode. Bit of spoilers coming up. Okay, so close your ears right now if you don't want to hear some spoilers. Uh, the title was a bit of a misdirect, Hatchlings. I assumed they were going to be Baby Ashfenny, but unfortunately they weren't. But thanks to a trailer on Falling Skies iTunes, they are coming. It showed a shot of Tom walking down a hallway surrounded by several Ashfenny eggs. Also, next episode, Doug Jones Confirmed is a huge episode for Cochise. His father will return and big things are going to happen with that and the bomb. He gives the episode 9 out of 10 extended skitterized human arms.
0: (laughs) That was a clever rating. I like it. Yeah. Final battle in the White House.
2: I like that.
0: Something big is happening in Washington. D.C., yeah. I know. It feels like like Falling Skies. I wonder why. No, it feels like The Walking Dead. Like, there for a while, they were all trying to get to D.C.
2: Oh, funny.
0: You don't watch that one either. What do you watch? You watch Falling
2: Skies, and that's it. I watch Falling Skies. I watch Extant and Under the Dome. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I really like watching for shows that huh? have no basis in reality <laughs> and are completely yeah. ridiculous week to week. <laughs> yeah, Makes X-Tay me feel better about my bad. life.
0: I mean, I, I said earlier, I haven't watched it in a while. I watched it this week and it was, it was fine. Under the Dome, I don't need to rail on it anymore. I feel like I've, I've, I've gone on record oh several times with my disdain for that show.
2: It's uh, like, it's like, It's like a tragic accident that you cannot look away from. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like I spent the entire episode rubbernecking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Anyway.
0: Speaking of rubbernecking, let's uh, take a pause here in the middle of the street and listen to Barb. Here she is.
3: Hi, Emily and Daryl. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's Falling Skies Epi, Hatchlings. I'll give this epi seven homemade bombs. Let me just jump right into it. Tom's behaviors are more disturbing with every passing week. His brutality toward the Asphini warlord is something he wouldn't have done previously, and ignoring Pope's pleas to save one of their own? That just isn't Tom from the earlier seasons. I think the dialogue between Tom and Weaver helped remind us that it's easy to be an armchair quarterback, what they should and shouldn't do. But they have been fighting for years and seem to be trying to rush the war to its conclusion, which is exactly how costly mistakes can be made. I think there will be more before this is finished. The question is, does Tom lose a family member to jolt him back to his humanity, or does he die at the end? And I think it could go either way. Very sad to see Sarah die and watch Pope unravel. But as soon as they began talking babies, I knew it was curtains for her. Woo-hoo! Emily, you have to admit, it was sad. It felt as if the brother-sister storyline was too short, but with only a handful of epies to go, I think we should be focusing on our main characters. At least we confirmed who Tom's helpers are original skitters before captivity and metamorphosis. So was the bug stealing Tom's DNA, or is it like the brother? And does the bug still have some of its original thoughts and feelings inside? Poor Anthony, I'm actually surprised someone hasn't cracked before now. Now question, if he told Tom what he saw, I wonder if Cochise could enlighten Tom about how the Asphini communicate. That would be helpful for Anthony. It also appears that something is wrong in Washington, D.C., to which I thought, yep. Lots of things wrong there right now. Don't know if the writers intended that as a joke, but it sure seemed to fit. It will be good to see our team on the move again. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out with a moment of silence for Sarah and all the little popes that will never be. <laughs>
0: ooh, ooh. <laughs> I guess I'm the only one that didn't see the handwriting on the wall when they started take it, talking about little babies.
2: That's okay. Whenever I think of babies, I think of death as well. So it's just natural for me.
0: (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yikes. Um, Good stuff there from. uh, Very good. Yeah. Very good.
2: Uh, Let's see. She had the same thoughts as you uh, regarding. Tom. 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 Thank you. Yeah a little reaffirming, huh? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I like being on the same side. Now, she did mention a Mason might die. She didn't specifically call out Ben this week. I think she's probably gone on record enough times to not necessarily yeah. need to call it out. But- we
2: know who you want to die. <laughs> well, not want. I'm misrepresenting her.
0: I think she wants him to die just more, at least so that she can get your reaction than anything else. <sighs>
2: I will cry. I will cry on the air for everyone if Ben dies. <laughs> Maybe I'll try at least. I might have to cut an onion, but I'll do
0: it. <laughs> well, that would do it. That would do it. All right. Well, that's some good feedback. Thank you to Barb and Justina and Gannon for sending in uh, feedback. We want to hear from you for next week. So you can reach out to us at 304-837-2278 or head over to com slash feedback there. You can upload an audio file. That's what uh, Justina and Barb did you can also typey-typey out an email. That's what Gannon did. You can also use the SpeakPipe widget. That's what no one did, but you can next week, goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash goldenspiralmedia and Twitter at GSM Podcasts because that is how you get to be a part of the BC twit Poll question of the week, which this week was...
2: This week was who will crack first, Pope or Anthony, and we got quite a few responses this week. Thank goodness, I thought you guys were ignoring me on purpose. Um, so we got uh, Mary J seventy six who says, "I think Pope will snap first. Uh, the way he looked at Tom and Anne, whew, he will mm-hmm. do something to Anne so that Tom will feel lost, like Hope Ooh, felt." Ooh, I like that idea. Okay. That's a really good one. Yeah. Uh Barb Tanger 14 says Pope will snap first and he'll take a few swings at Tom. Ooh, that's pretty tame for Pope. <laughs> but yeah, that certainly seems plausible. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we got uh the continuum podcast tweeted us. I think this was uh Mike, Mike who says yeah. uh definitely Pope. Anthony was angry and merely stumbled into a misunderstanding, but Pope is pissed for real. Oh yeah. And then he parenthesizes yeah. his uh, Mike said that from the Continuum podcast. Okay. Uh, and let's see. Uh, K.R. Mackins says Pope will be the one who kills Mason.
0: Mm. Mm, mm. The Mason death predicted. Mm, and there I'm, it is. I'm assuming they mean Tom Mason. I think so. Mm-hmm.
2: Or maybe he meant a Mason. Mm-hmm. He or she. Uh, okay, and finally, Jovial Falcon says Anthony is ready to snap, while Pope is just a misunderstood guy.
0: Oh, hmm. interesting. Opposite approach there.
2: Yeah, I, you know, if it weren't for the whole episode title of next week, yeah, I would probably agree with that. But you know, it, just with the PTSD, it seems like Pope or sorry, Anthony just has a higher potential to snap in the way that Pope wouldn't like pope is angry mm-hmm. and and that's a, a more of a control over the rage than than anthony's ptsd i would say that's why i asked it that the question that way like who's going to snap first
0: <laughs> yeah I, I think they're both potentially ticking time bombs it's just going to be how well are they going to be able to get under control and with with anthony i think it's a little bit more of a wild card than pope is just because that's something that can take a long time to get over and words don't, I don't think words are going to heal that wound. I think time is going to heal that wound. I think yeah. removing himself from the situation is going to heal that wound and that's not going to be quick. Whereas Pope, even though that wound will still be there, I think that there can be an understanding or a truce, if you will, with, with talking it out. So, um, but okay. they're both, uh, that they could, man, that could yeah. both go either way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so that's a Twitter poll. Um, yep. Next, uh, th- we always tweet th- that out uh, Monday morning following a new Falling Skies episode. So look for the hashtag BCTwit and respond with that hashtag to be included in the responses.
0: Indeed. And if you want to send in feedback like Barb and Justina and Gannon did this week, the deadline for that is Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and we record the podcast Tuesdays at 8 o'clock Eastern. You can join us live over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live and come join the fun next week. It'll be fun.
2: It's lots of fun. You get to make uh, punny 80s references that I don't get.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've also been talking about X-Files and Breaking Bad. There was quite a bit of a a discussion as to how you didn't know who Vince Gilligan was from a Breaking Bad point of view, but also from an X-Files point of view.
2: I haven't seen that, but you already know that.
0: I do know that. We need to remedy that.
2: (laughs) Actually, I have seen the first couple episodes. It was a couple years ago, but I have seen the first couple episodes. Yeah, it's a great show. I'll work on that.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Emily, for your time tonight talking about the podcast. Oh, thank you, Daryl. Yeah. And to all of you who tuned in, thank you for that. For those of you in the live show, thank you for joining us. Hope to have you back next week. We'll be here for episode 18 of. Uh, episode 19 of falling 19. skies as we discussed episode <laughs> 19 Prince of Bad.
2: berserker cast it would be episode four of falling skies of season five
0: <laughs> i can't talk You're right. okay. thank you for it's correcting okay. me all right and until next week i'm gonna go hunt for turtle farms
2: and i'm just gonna remind you guys to look before you jump